Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. I did it with First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, thanks for tuning in to Eagles Unfiltered, presented by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host Ed Kraz. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get the podcast by searching Eagles Unfiltered. Thank you for tuning in. Ed, you know, Jonathan Gannon just had his press conference, and now that's everything that Philadelphia is buzzing about. The new defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles coming over from Indianapolis has an impressive background that you and I can't stop raving about when he was with, you know, Matt Uberfluss in Indianapolis, an up-and-coming coach in this league who's probably going to be a head coach after this next head coaching cycle. Mike Zimmer, that's where he's originated from is Mike Zimmer's defense. With We all know how great Mike Zimmer defenses always are. I'm very excited for the Jonathan Gannon transition to Philadelphia from Jim Schwartz. I know you and I just said it off air, when Billy Davis was gone and the Chip Kelly defenses were, were, were done, they brought Jim Schwartz and we were starstruck. We were so happy to have a guy of Jim Schwartz's resume. But to, you know, the, it played out. It got played out. The coverages got played out. Could the 10 yard cushions got played out now having a guy, you know, an inexperienced defensive coordinator who specializes in the secondary, but he's an up and coming guy. He's going to grow with this defense. He's going to make this secondary. He's really here to the defensive line's fine. Ed, you know, you could hire any defensive coordinator to work for this team. And he was already going to inherit a great defensive line, but the secondary is what needed to be fixed. Jonathan Gannon looks to be the guy to be fixed to the Eagles secondary. I'm very excited to see what he does going forward. What were your impressions when you were sitting in that Zoom press conference listening to Jonathan Gannon talk? Well, he was like a rock star, really. I mean, you know, and it must be something about the coordinators. They do like to talk. You know, Schwartz was notorious for, you know, taking one question and running with it for, you know, several minutes. And Gannon kind of did the same thing. Um, you know, he talked for almost a half an hour. Yeah. Uh, it was a long Which, you know, we'll, we will never get that block of time again from the defensive coordinator, I wouldn't think. Um, but listen, it was his first kind of get together. He was hired four months ago, you know, and here we are finally now just meeting him. And he was kind of funny when he started. He's like, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys sooner. Uh, but, you know, he blamed it on the PR staff for not making it happen. So, uh, you know, uh, good for him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, half an hour. And he, I thought he really said a lot. You know, he really talked about his scheme, about that Mike Zimmer uh, influence, the Eberflus influence. Uh, he talked about his D-line. He talked about the cornerback situation. Uh, and he seemed very thoughtful. You know, there were times when you thought he was done answering a question and then it was about to get turned over to the next question. And he's like, oh, wait, I still have more. You know, he goes, thinking about it more. And then he would add on to it. So, you know, he's a very thoughtful 
guy that uh, I love what he said about his scheme. He's not going to be locked into a scheme. Uh, he's going to look at the players he has on hand, which, you know, you mentioned Schwartz. And I think that's one of the things that kind of happened with Jim. You said they're all played out and he just never, he always kind of had his scheme and his way of playing defense. And then he would put his players in that and see if they fit. And if they didn't, most of the times they were gone, like Eric Rowe, they, you know, they cut him and, uh, you know, some some other players that just didn't work for him that he got rid of quickly because they didn't fit his scheme. Now, Gannon seems like he's going to have the players and together he's going to see what he has and then he's going to decide on his scheme. So you won't have that, you know, possibility of whatever he's running getting played out because it's going to look different, you know, from year to year, from probably game to game, month to month. Uh, you know, as talent comes and goes, when guys get injured, other guys step in, um, you know, he's going to be an adjustable guy. And we'll see how long he stays in this position because, uh, you know, I think you mentioned it off the air is this guy has head coach potential. Um, if he comes in and, and, and bangs this thing out in two, two or three years and, you know, this defense is top five and uh, it's doing good things, he, he could be the next guy that becomes a head coach in a couple of years. So, I love what I heard. To answer your question, I loved it. I'm excited about it, and I can't wait to see how it all plays out. The Eagles have been notoriously known throughout the league as a weak pass defense type of defense. So if he comes in and he fixes that, they're one of the top teams. That's going to be noticed by uh, teams that need a head coach immediately. That's yeah. going to be noticed, I think. I, I believe, because that's what it, that's how every team attacks the Philadelphia Eagles over the years is through the secondary and the quick passing game and the cushions that they would give. And, you know, having a guy like John again, if he fixes that, he is definitely going to be on the radar for head coaching. But, Ed, you know what I like the most about Jonathan Gannon is the adaptability. That's what I love about this coaching staff so far, that these guys that come in for these press conferences and they go, we're going to fit, we're going to tailor our schemes to the players. Because those that ask these questions, you know, Nick Sirianni gets asked, where are you going to fit Devontae Smith and how can you have him and Jalen Rager on the field at the same time? And he goes, easy, we're going to fit our scheme to the players. Jonathan Gannon echoes the same thing, same situation as well. I love it, but you see, everybody's worried about cornerback too, Ed. Everybody's worried about what are the Eagles going to do? You know, Zach McPherson is a rookie. Avante Maddox is better than the slot. Uh, I mean, according to, you know, fans and everything. I, I don't know if, I, I personally don't know if Avante Maddox has a future with this team. We're going to find out this year. That's for sure. Yeah, this but summer, for sure. Josiah Scott, you know, they just traded for him for the Jaguars. He looks like he's going to be a nickel. A lot of these guys on this team, you know, it looks like they have, Darius Slay in the slot cornerback factory again. But, you know, like I said on the previous episode, you have to have versatility to be a corner in this on this in this defense. You have to play inside and outside. Zach, Zach McPherson is definitely the candidate to do so. I wouldn't say Josiah Scott is from what I've seen so far, but it's again, it's so little. He's he's still such an improving player in this league. But I mean, you don't want him on the outside. Yeah, well, coming out of Michigan State, he was comped as Avante Maddox. I mean, (laughs) same size, similar speed. Um, So if you don't want Maddox playing on the outside because we saw his limitations, you're probably going to have the same limitations with Josiah Scott. So that battle is going to be in Maddox really was great on the outside his rookie year, though. He was solid. But, I mean, I think the league might have just figured him out. Or there's enough film on him to figure him out at this point. I know Jim Schwartz wasn't doing him any favors, but – I, I think I echo the sentiment of every other fan is we don't want to see Avante Maddox on the outside. So I, right now, I like Maddox as a safety. I mean, you know, when he filled in, 
uh, early in his career as a safety. I mean, I thought he did some nice things as, a, as kind of a free safety type. And, I put him for McLeod when McLeod went down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you wonder if he could transition back into that role because I think he he's, he can play Maddox. I just don't think he can play effectively enough on the outside. It can't happen. I don't even think Jonathan Yannick can resurrect that or yeah. make that happen. Uh, well, I mean, that's I like, an interesting topic for Maddox, though. Yeah. To move him to safety. I mean, because I think, you know, shout out to Zach Hicks. He just got hired for the Colts Sports Illustrated page. He covered the Stampede Blue for – Nation before and his film breakdowns are amazing and I, I i get enamored with them now because half of the guys that he's talking about are on the eagles coaching staff and in 2019 the colts would have did a ton of three safety looks it was i mean three safety sets were majority of their packages on defense and that's that season alone and it wasn't as much last season because of the malik hooker injury they weren't able to do so with the death at safety it was really tested with malik hooker going down but in 2019 they were doing Everything they possibly can to get three safeties on the field, and and the third safety saved served as the dime linebacker. That's going to happen in Philly, Ed. They thought, mm-hmm. you know, when they signed Anthony Harris and they kept riding McLeod, people were like, "Well, that's two free safeties." That's because they need them now, Ed. They need the two deep safeties. And Kayvon Wallace, right now, if you ask me, is the best guy to be the third in the box safety type role guy to be the dime dime backer that you know Carrie Willis was in. Indianapolis for the Colts in that third safety look. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I the it's funny because everybody's like, they're so weak at linebacker. They're so weak at cornerback. But I, I think Jonathan Gans already planning on working with what he has and already scheming for what he has because this these three, excuse me, these three safety sets, that's going to be something, Ed. That's going to be, it's going to mask your linebacker issue that you have. And it's going to mask mm-hmm. your corner issue too as well. You're going to have these guys not playing on island anymore. They're going to have deep safety help. So, you know, I'm not as concerned as fans are about cornerback two, and I'll say it again. I said it last week. I'll say it again because number one, the season is not that far. It's, you got a couple months. You know, there's going to be a training camp injury to tight end. We're going to talk about it later, but you might be able to put Zach Ertz in as a Jordan Matthews trade filler to get that young corner like you did in Ronald Darby. You might be able to pull something off like that off, but we'll see. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I Ed, it was funny because after we got done recording, I was like, dang, you know, I thought of the perfect trade scenario that actually makes sense if if Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay come to some kind of compromise I think what would help is Green Bay saying we got you a tight end like Zach Ertz who you're friends with and you know what we did to get him was we traded Kevin King because we drafted Eric Stokes Mm -hmm. and the Eagles take on Eric King to be cornerback too that's something I could see that's a possibility maybe and Eric King's on a one-year deal so I mean it's not like the Eagles are tied for him forever that's that's again that's an evaluation point and if you're not good well, we have Zach McPherson that we drafted in the fourth round that we like a lot that can play inside and outside. Mm-hmm. So, I, again, cornerback two can be solved. They don't need to, it doesn't need to be solved today on May on May twenty first. Right, you have time. That's why I'm not worried. But now the huge reason I'm not worried is because your cornerback two is not going to be on an island like he used to be. He's right. going to get some help. These three safety sets, folks, pay attention to it. Go back to and watch the 2019 Indianapolis Colts defense. You're going to see a lot of that this year in Philadelphia with Anthony Harris, uh, Rodney McLeod, and Kevon Wallace, I believe. Yeah, and, you know, listen, I know the rookie the rookie sixth-round pick, Jacoby Stevens, is listed as a linebacker, but he's got safety versatility as well. I mean, you right, can – Right, there's Kevon Wallace's competition. Good, yeah. Good, I mean, good you, observation you, there, absolutely. Yeah, Kevon I mean, Wallace isn't locked he, into that role. Right. But you he have to be in the mix, Stevens. Absolutely. No doubt. I mean, he, he could be in the mix. And I know they like him. 
uh, you know, he talks like a leader. He's very, you know, good leadership qualities. Um, you know, he's got a lot going for him, but whether or not he can beat out Kayvon Wallace second year, I mean, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I, I, as far as cornerback two, I mean, you know, Michael Jaquette, keep an eye on him and Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Taylor, uh, who came over from Indianapolis. I mean, these are guys that could be in that mix. You know, I asked uh, Stike, or, uh, Gannon about the cornerbacks in particular uh, during the Zoom call, and he gave a great answer. You know, he goes, I love the room. You know, he goes, I like what uh, the DB coaches, Denard Wilson and DK McDonald, are doing with those guys. Gannon even said, I'm learning from Wilson and McDonald too, which is great to hear. You know, you got a 39 defensive uh, coordinator, 39-year-old defensive coordinator uh, who's learning from his assistants, which is great that he doesn't think he knows it all. Um, but he, And he said he likes the youth. You know, he said the good thing about youth is you can take it and you can mold it into what you want it to be in your, you know, whatever you're going to run or whatever you're going to play, you can mold their technique. They don't have any bad habits yet because they're still young players. So, you know, I like that. I thought it was a great answer. Uh, Put me a little bit at ease with who that number two corner is going to be ultimately. Um, So, yeah, I, I think Gannon's got a real good finger on the pulse of this defense after four months on the job. And, uh, maybe it was a good thing that the Eagles waited that length of time before bringing him out because he really did seem to have a good good idea uh, of, of what his personnel was, even though he didn't come right out and say names in particular. Um, but he does have a good idea, I think, of what this defense is going to look like uh, you know, going forward. Absolutely. And the funny thing is we're talking about on the previous episode, Jernard Avery and Patrick Johnson, who's going to be that role and. And then the day after they signed Ryan Kerrigan. And that's exactly yeah. what you and I were talking about as a stand up edge rusher like the Justin Houston was for Indianapolis, what you know, Danielle Hunter can be for the Minnesota defense. Well, who was gonna be that for the Eagles? Who were they gonna ask to be the stand up edge guy? You know, he's the best thing about this Ryan Kerrigan edition, I think a lot of people are like, is he gonna play linebacker? Is he gonna play edge? He's gonna do it all. He's gonna be jack of all trades. He's gonna yep. he's gonna be asked to be in this defense as the fifth rusher, absolutely, but he's gonna be deployed in so many different ways because he has the asset that you know not many not really i don't think any of the edges on this team really have is he's a successful stand-up edge three four rusher yeah you got a lot in philadelphia i think you're seeing a lot you know they put justin houston in the best situation possible in indianapolis even though it was still a four three with multiple fronts to succeed and they that's what again goes back to adaptability and what you hear from john again is we're going to put we're going to tailor our scheme to those guys and how what fits them best. If they signed Ryan Kerrigan, they know what fits him best and they know how they know how they're going to use him best in their defense. So, you know, I, I was worried about this position with Jernard Avery and Patrick Johnson. I, don't, I didn't think it was going to be good. Uh, but when you bring in Ryan Kerrigan, a guy who can mentor those guys, not only just those guys too, but your defensive line and Joshua, Derek Barnett. I know they have Brandon Graham. I know they have Fletcher Cox, but you know, Ryan Kerrigan could teach him stuff like Chris Long taught them when he came into that defensive line room. So, uh, great signing. You know, I honestly think it's going to be the Eagles one of the best signings. You know, I love Anthony Harris. I think Anthony Harris was their best signing, but Kerrigan's definitely second. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, like you said, he's going to help not only on the field, but off the field too. I mean, just with his experience, his knowledge, his, you know, idea of how to be a professional, um, how to operate within the structure of a defense, um, it's all going to help you know, the young guys uh, like, you know, Patrick Johnson and 
you know, uh, even Milton Williams, if he were to go outside, but to uh, Ron Jackson, it's going to help him. I mean, you know, listen, I, I think this was a really good draft class. And I think now this is a good step into getting the most out of this draft class, especially late, those late round picks. Uh, and Kerrigan's going to help do that. And, you know, he still has something left in the tank. I mean, listen, he played, what, 38% of the snaps in Washington last year. You know, they drafted Montez Sweat and Chase Young, and, you know, that eventually happens in the NFL. You know, you're drafting guys that are younger than your veteran players, so obviously his role was reduced, but he still had five and a half sacks in that, you know, very limited uh, amount of snaps. So, you know, listen, if he if he plays 50% of the snaps this year, you know, we could be looking at a you know, an eight-sack season from Ryan Kerrigan, especially oh, yeah. with the way uh, Gannon is probably going to use him lining up as that stand-up edge rusher. And it's funny because, yeah, we our last podcast, we talked about the need for someone like that. And 24 hours later, here comes Ryan Kerrigan out of the blue, complete shock. Yeah, they're going to find a quarterback too tomorrow now. So, folks, you heard it. We <laughs> talked about it. So now they're going to they're going to solve that issue tomorrow. Yeah, but, I know how he's listening to this too, right? So he's going to do that just to spite us, I'm sure. I, I, Ryan, you know, I think with this defensive line room, I know he had it in Washington, like you just said. He didn't have to play a lot. He he came in on situational downs, which it really helped. It helps those guys, those good edges that are at that point in their career where they're slowing down, but they could still bring a lot to the table, like a Chris Long, like a Michael Bennett, like Philadelphia. This is this is such a Howie Roseman move. You know, I know Jonathan Gann would want this, obviously, but I mean, this is how he's sticking to his roots and it works. This is a move that works for him every single time. You know, I, I love it. I think it's going to be a great. I I think Ryan Kerrigan gets at least six sacks, but it doesn't even matter if you get the sack numbers aren't what I'm looking at. The amount of pressures is what I'm looking at. Yeah. When Chris Long would come in on his packages, he was one of the most I think he was a third most. Uh, Third most productive pass rusher that season in 2018, I believe, or 2017. I believe. Don't hold me to it, guys. But I believe in by pro, uh, pro Football Focus had him ranked the third highest in uh, pass rush productivity. Th- that's going to be the same thing with Kerrigan because every snap he gets, he gets in is going to be a straight-up pass rushing down. And he's going to go after the quarterback every single time. And he's going to be ha- on the field with Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and whoever else enforces themselves as the next edge as well. So I, I'm excited. I think it's going to be great for Ryan Kerrigan. I, I do believe he at least gets at least six sacks, but he's going to be at least in the top three for the Eagles in the amount of pressures. Yeah, I mean, and those pressures are huge. You know, you oh, you make you make the quarterback uncomfortable. I mean, look at Chris Long in that NFC Championship game. Turn that thing around just by you know grazing the arm of um, He's Keenum. Or, yeah, the quarterback for the Vikings. Who, yeah, right, Keenum. And Patrick Robinson, it was just enough. Patrick Robinson took it for a pick six. I mean, you get that kind of pressure. You don't have to get the sack, but you can create that kind of uh, disruption. Um, that's going to be huge. And and that's what Kerrigan's known for. I mean, he, he not only led the Washington franchise in career sacks, but also in career quarterback hits with, you know, I think he had like 160 of them. So, I mean, you know, this guy knows how to get after the quarterback. And it's going to be exciting. To uh, to see how he uh, is unleashed in this Gannon all, uh, Gannon defense. Plus, what does it say about Jonathan Gannon when Ryan Kerrigan's turning down the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, time with you, right? So, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals were in on his market as well, and you know the Steelers are still looking for the Bud Dupree le- replacement. There was a role there for Ryan Kerrigan, mm-hmm. but he Might said he like the because they have they have Alex Highsmith or I mean a uh, 
I'm going to butcher his name. I think it was Alex Highsmith. I loved him last year coming out of the draft. Third round pick of the Steelers. He's he was supposed to be the Bud Dupree replacement, but he still need that third rusher. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Steelers are trying to get Ryan Kerrigan for. But he chose Philadelphia and he chose Jonathan Gannon's scheme yep. over Mike Tomlin's defense. That's yep. huge to me. I mean, that you have to read between the cards sometimes when you're making these moves. And I know a lot of people are down on the Eagles with the type of offseason they had and all the doom and gloom. But I mean, to have a, a prolific player like Ryan Kerrigan choose, I mean, he's turning down, I think at least a wild card opportunity guaranteed with the Steelers and joining the Eagles, the unknown Eagles and their, their new coaching staff that speaks volumes to me. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I agree with you. You know, the longer this off season goes and you, you start meeting these coaches and seeing some of these kind of under the radar moves, like, you know, even carry on Johnson, I think might be, uh, you know, a good signing for Howie on the offensive side of the ball. And then Kerrigan, of course, um, you know, the more, you see the off season go along. I think the more I haven't done a wins losses on my schedule yet, because I kind of like to see how it plays out. But, you know, I was initially thinking like, you know, maybe five or six wins, but here we are May 21st. I'm thinking of upping that total a little bit. I don't know where they're going to come from. I haven't really looked at each segment of the schedule, but you know, I like this coaching staff. I like, you know, I was very impressed with Gannon. I'm not an easy guy to impress. You know, I'm an old school uh, type of guy. And, you know, he came out and he, he really showed me something with the moxie and what he had to say. Um, and, you know, Steichen, uh, a little bit like a Humphrey Bogart lookalike, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever seen The African Queen. It's an old movie with Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. But, man, he looked just like Humphrey Bogart in that movie. So, if you haven't seen it, it's a good movie. I recommend it, African Queen. But, uh, but yeah, I like I like Steichen. I, I like what he had to say. Uh, really kind of didn't give a lot of, you know, straight answers, kind of kept things pretty close to his vest. And by contrast, you know, we talked about Gannon talking for almost a half an hour. Uh, Steichen only talked for about 12 minutes because his, his answers were short. He, he was a little more guarded. Maybe he'll loosen up a little bit. But that doesn't mean he can't coach. But I like these coaching staff. I like some of these moves Howie has made after the draft. Um, so I'm thinking this team, you know, could could possibly, you know, surprise uh, expectations. I think their number in Vegas was six wins, and I, I would probably take the over at this point. They think that in the building, obviously. Yeah, well, you have to. Well, you have to, but I mean, I think there is some sort of realistic expectation in a in a locker room and in a in an organization in front office, no matter what. But, I mean, when you make a move like Ryan Kerrigan, you clearly feel something special is brewing. Yeah, and, and you already have good veterans. You know, we you forget that part of it. You know, you still have Fletcher Cox, who is, is tremendous at what he does. You still have Lane Johnson, who is fully healthy now. He talked to us uh, on Zoom this week, and, uh, you know, he, he's fully cleared to do every activity possible. And Brandon Brooks is back. I mean, they have guys that are 30 plus old, you know, 30 plus years old that they're no slouches. I mean, these are good, solid veteran players. The disparity with the Eagles is you have very good high end veterans, and then you have a very young part of your roster and there's not a whole lot in between. So you're going to have to hope you're going to need some of these young guys that they have on this roster. Jalen Hurts, number one, to step up if the Eagles are going to want to, you know, win more than six, seven games and be in the hunt uh, to surprise everybody and win the NFC East. That kind of ties into something I wanted to speak about on the show is that, you know, should we be more optimistic about Jalen Hurts? Because 
you know, you see the way that the Carson Wentz situation went with the Philadelphia Eagles and the doom and gloom that came from it, you would think the whole franchise was going to fall apart. You know, when the Jaguars, when Jalen Ramsey was like, I'm done with this crap, the whole team fell apart. You know, when the Houston Texans are falling apart at the seams, even before the Deshaun Watson uh, scandals had became, came out, they were falling apart from the, nobody wanted to play for them anymore. Yeah. The, the guys didn't want to play for them anymore. You know, J.J. Watt forced his way. I mean, it was a mutual parting, but he still he wasn't going to come back. Deshaun Watson's not going to play for the Texans again. You know, like yeah. these teams, when when one guy goes, you see, you see the, the ship, everybody starts jumping ship. When Carson Wentz jumped ship, nobody went with him. Nobody wanted to go with him. Everybody's like, no, we're good. This is a good situation we have here. What fuels them to feel that way? What fuels Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay, who has only played in one playoff game, I believe, and he lost it. What fuels guys like that to say, I'm at Tom towards the Jason Kelsey. I'm at the end of my NFL career. You know, we did win a Super Bowl here. That's great and everything, but I want to keep winning. I don't, like, I don't have time for this. What fuels them to say, this is worth it? Well, I think it's belief. I think it's, it's great veteran leadership. And you remember these guys won a lot of games. I mean, they won a Super Bowl, some of them, Kelsey, Brooks, Johnson. Um, you know, they, they understand, uh, you know, that they know what buying in can do. The bottom line is you're going to win. And, and they understand that. And they also understand that it's not about just one guy. You know, this is, this is about a true team. Football is all about. 11 guys, starting guys, and then 11 after that, 22 guys, and then the 30 players after that. I mean, it takes everybody on that roster to win. It's not like basketball where you have one or two superstars that can win you a championship. I mean, this is a true team sport, and they understand that. And I think they also have faith in the front office because, you know, for all the grief that Howie gets and his staff, I mean, he did bring in enough talent to win a Super Bowl in 2017. He's brought in enough talent uh, even prior to that to win a lot of games. So I think they also have faith that, you know, this is an organization that's going to do whatever it can do to find a way to win a game. You know, they could have easily said, okay, Jeffrey Lurie, our owner, came out and said, we're going to retool over the next year or two. But that doesn't mean they're just going to give up and roll over. I mean, Howie went out and put some moves in together to, to keep this team competitive to be able to win games while you're retooling. So while you retool doesn't mean you only will win four or five games. And I think the players understand that. And, you know, I give guys like Kelsey and that veteran uh, group, you know, Lane and Brooks and Cox and Graham, those guys, you know, these are iconic players and Eagles history, in my opinion. These guys are going to go down to some of the greatest players in team history, not just on the field, but for that mentality off the field um, that keeps them buying in and keeps the younger guys buying in, even when an, a player that was supposed to be your franchise quarterback like Carson Wentz gets shipped out. I, I agree with everything you just said, obviously. And that, that's crazy because now we're all we're focusing on that now. And it seems like the Eagles have a good culture. And you would think otherwise with the way that the doom and gloom gets painted about them because mm-hmm. they clearly must have a good culture if all those players are not jumping ship and buying in and, and thinking the way that you're saying because clearly they do. Now, again, we're talking about players that bought into Nick Foles, Sam Bradford, Mark Sanchez at times. They bought into no matter who the quarterback is back there. But they were still realistic. And I mean, you know, the hope with Carson Wentz, you saw so much hope in those 
those players face. You know, Fletcher Cox and Carson Wentz are best friends. You know, Jason Kelsey always vouched for Carson Wentz. Yeah. I know that they had to stand up for Nick Foles too. So I guess it's an easy way to say, you know, these guys are being employees of the team and, and rallying around Jalen Hurts because they have to. That is their quarterback. But I mean, I think that's half true and half not true because, you know, they have to buy into whoever they start a quarterback. That's you're the employee of the team. You have to. But I mean, the way that they're buying in Jalen Hurts, they don't have to do it above and beyond the way that they're going. Brandon Graham's going to Sixers games with Jalen Hurts. You know, yeah. Hurts is going top golf with Lane Johnson. You know, I see him more out with the teammates than I did. I don't want to say that I did Carson once because I did see Carson once at a lot of Sixers games and he did do stuff with his teammates. But I mean, it's it's around the same amount then, and which is crazy. Yeah. You know, you would think yeah. there's been like no drop off. Ed is what I'm talking about from Carson once to Jalen Hurts. Everybody's still confident. Everybody still wants to be part of the team. You know. Carson's gone. The golden child that he was, what we hailed him for, that's great and everything, but we still got Jalen. That's what I'm saying is crazy. So maybe we should be, should we be more optimistic about Jalen Hurts in year two? Because they certainly are. Yeah, sure. I I absolutely think so. Yeah. I mean, listen, we had him on Zoom and he's not taking anything for granted. He's not saying, yeah, this is my job. He still understands, you know, he's got to win the respect of his teammates. He's out there working hard. Um, Yeah, I, I think, yeah, we'll we'll see how Hurts does. I mean, I listen, he didn't put up the, the greatest numbers last year. He only won one of those four starts. Um, but listen, that was a that was a terrible season. I mean, there was nobody that had a good season on that team last year. I can't mm-hmm. think of maybe Alex Singleton, you know, he had the good season. But other than that, nobody had a good year. And when when a team's like that and struggling and you're a rookie and you're you're kind of seeing things for the first time and kind of feeling your way without rookie camp, by the way, without any off-season OTAs, it's tough. And, you know, his completion percentage could be a factor of an offensive line that was kind of shuffled around. He didn't have a lot of time. He tried to make a play. He held the ball too long. Um, All part of the learning process. And I loved how he said on his Zoom call that he doesn't want to be a repeat offender. Um, So he having those four games – for him to study and for him to learn from, I think are going to be invaluable. And sure, I, I think we should believe in Jalen Hurts um, and we'll see where it goes. But, you know, listen, I, I just want to, I like the way these veteran players have kind of embraced Hurts and, and kind of shown him the support. Cause like you said, they were friends with Carson Wentz. None of them requested to be traded like JJ Watt. He, he wanted out, you know, and um, you know, right or wrong, you know, I, I don't always agree with bailing when adversity strikes, you know, like J.J. Watt immediately wanted to be traded, um, doesn't have any faith in the front office doing the right thing. These players like playing in Philadelphia. They like playing for this front office. And um, I give them all the credit in the world. I mean, and now you're, ta- you're seeing them talk about mentoring the younger guys, guys that are going to eventually be taking their jobs. Um, and they have no problem with that. They understand that that's life in the NFL. And um, so, yeah, they're 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 around, they're surrounded. Uh, they've surrounded Jalen Hurts with all their love and affection, and they're ready to to block and tackle and catch for him. Uh, and that's as it should be. I mean, these guys are true professionals, and they they really do embody that word, true professional. Pro Football Focus ranked Jalen Hurts as I think what the thirty first ranked quarterback in the NFL this year. I mean, like, look, like you said, four games to go off of on a horrible offense. 
during a historically bad NFL season where you had no contact with your team. No rookie. I mean, you know, Justin Herbert was insane. That's an anomaly. But I mean, no rookie quarterback was other than Justin Herbert fit in with this team right away. There was nothing but struggles Tua went through struggles. Um, Burrow went through struggles and, you know, he ended up getting injured because of his struggles with the offensive line. You know, other than Justin Herbert, it was a struggle. Jordan Love, yeah. I mean, he's not even going to touch the field or get close to the field in Green Bay right now. It, it's it's really – we can't – I I thought what Jalen Hurts showed us last year, you know, wasn't enough to say hey, this is a franchise quarterback, but it was enough to say he deserves a freaking chance because the cards were stacked against that guy. You know, he wasn't supposed to come in here and take Carson Wentz's job or make Carson Wentz uncomfortable. He was supposed to come in here and hold Carson Wentz's clipboard. Mm-hmm. Now, he was supposed to be the insurance – Policy, but what he did, he came in and he he came in with the mindset that he he continued when he had the press conference was, I'm just here to compete. I'm here to be the starting player I know I can possibly be, starting quarterback I know I can possibly be, and that's it. And that made the golden child, the guy that who had the 128 million dollar deal, uncomfortable, and he played that way on the field, yeah. and the whole entire after he started getting uncomfortable, everything cracked at the seams and fell apart offensively and then you ask the rookie quarterback who made the guy feel uncomfortable to come in and hey can you make something work out of nothing because we don't have anything for you we just need some kind of spark and he did bring a spark you know his game against the Cardinals wasn't on par with what Carson Wentz was producing in 2017 mm-hmm. if you want my honest opinion yeah numbers wise that, that numbers was a wise. fun game that was a fun game that, game that was one of the best performances I've seen from the Eagles quarterback since Carson Wentz in 2017 really and again, I, I I was a huge fan of Carson Wentz's 2019 season, but on terms of the production in that game, it was on par with Carson Wentz's 2017 season. Yeah. The other games weren't as pretty. You know, Dallas wasn't pretty at all. Could have been better. Division rival knows your offense extremely well. Washington wasn't pretty at all. You know, you're trying to lose that game. You want to have a higher pick. You, a division rival that knows your div- offense pretty well. There was enough there to show me, you know, let's see what he's at least got. Let's yeah. let's be confident that you know Carson wants out. Let's hold the door open for him. We'll at least make sure that he brings back some kind of compensation. That since we're giving him away, we need to get back what we gave up for him. Yeah. Well, let's hold the door. Let's hold the door. You know, <laughs> we got number two, but we got number one back there now. But yeah. you know, he's fine. He 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 impressed everybody in that locker room. We're good. We'll be fine. Like that's big. That's monumental to me. Yeah. Because no, that doesn't happen everywhere. You know, when Tom Brady left New England, they were like, oh no, now what? Yeah, like when Philadelphia, when Carson Wentz left Philadelphia, they're like, "We're good. We got Jalen Hurts." To yep. feel that way and feel that confident is asinine. That's crazy. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be this confident. You shouldn't be this enamored by a quarterback after what he's shown you in four games, and you went after everything you invested in that franchise quarterback that demanded a trade to get out of you, get away from you. Like it, it, it's crazy to me, but it's happening. And that's because the Eagles are that 100% committed to Jalen Hurts. And he did something. It, it was more than just on the field stuff. There was something behind the scenes that we're all missing that he clearly took control of that team. And he took it away from Carson Wentz. So I, that's why I'm more optimistic about Jalen Hurts in year two is because, you know, we missed something there. And we're going to see it this year. Yeah, we are. And listen, maybe last year's four-game run – 
it was kind of a blessing in disguise. Now there's going to be bumps, right? And now he's kind of experienced those bumps and now you can grow from those bumps. You mentioned Justin Herbert, kind of the anomaly, kind of coming into the league and, and really taking it by storm. You know, you have those types of players, Patrick Mahomes, uh, same way, you know, but um, their first round top 10 draft picks. And now we're going to see, you know, we're going to see guys this year, Trevor Lawrence and Justin, Guys that were taken in the top 15, maybe one takes the league by storm, but there's going to be bumps and some growing pains. Having had those bumps is now ready to smooth some of those out. There's going to be some other obstacles that will crop up along the way, but now you hope that he's better equipped to handle them because of those four games, because now he has been in the facility this spring working with his teammates bonding with his teammates, getting to know them, letting them get to know him, uh, and maybe he can smooth them out a little bit quicker and the bump won't be as severe. I agree completely. And let's just move on real quick just to end the show because, I mean, not to end the show because we still got a little a couple more topics we want to touch on real quick. But, I mean, you, you brought up – you touched on it a little bit earlier with on Johnson. We haven't really discussed the running back room yet uh, on a podcast. You know, the addition of on Johnson makes complete sense to me in terms of you want that, you know, you want that bulldozer type running back. You don't have that on the roster. You brought back Jordan Howard, who thought his NFL career was over. You know, they needed to bring competition in for Jordan Howard, who thought his NFL career was over, Ed. So they, they get carry on Johnson on waivers. You know, they, I think the Eagles were, are, they are the 16th on waivers right now. So they were 16th in the waiver priority. Only five teams passed over carry on. And one of them was the Lions. Excuse me. No, it wasn't. The Lions were after the Eagles. So, you know, he, they only only five teams passed on carry on. Who knows who else would have claimed him? The Eagles did not. Well, the uh, Dolphins, the Dolphins put a claim in for him. I know that. Um, the Dolphins put a claim in for him. So, they, but they didn't have that yeah. high of a card. They had to, after the Eagles. So that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So okay. So he, at least he was wanted. He was wanted. So that's good. But uh, I'm not huge on carry on Johnson, and the only reason why is because I think the injuries have taken its toll on him. You know, people are like, well, he didn't really see the field in Detroit, and they were handling the running back room weird with because they were giving snaps to Adrian Peterson. Well, they were giving snaps to Peterson because he looked a lot better than Carryon Johnson did. There was a reason for it. You know, I think the knee injuries have caught up to Carryon Johnson, but it still is enough to take a flyer. You're at the position. You're at the again rookie contract, barely any salary. If you if he doesn't make the team, the, you can cut him in the preseason and not take a hit. They had with the Eagles cap situation, they have to take this type of flyer because if he proves in the preseason, hey, I'm all healed, I'm good. This is a new system. I'm good in this system. I can serve that role then fine, he's going to be that running back. He's going to beat out Jordan Howard for sure because he's an upgrade over him in that in that realm because I think Jordan Howard's end of career is done. You know, Jordan Howard, a couple of years ago, you would think that's crazy, but I think, I don't know what it is. I think just his knees. I don't know if his injuries are finally taking a torn on him. I, I know coming out of college in Indiana, they weren't ex- they weren't expecting him to last long in the NFL. They thought he was a, had a four-year window. I think that window, that Jay Ajayi window, is starting to come for Jordan Howard. A great player with... Really good running back in this league. I always thought he was underrated, but uh, I think I think he is done. So I don't think he makes the team. But uh, they're going to carry four running backs. Ed, you know they did that in Indianapolis. They're going to do it again in Indianapolis this year. I think Nick Sirianni is going to continue that tradition with the Philadelphia Eagles and carry four running backs on this roster. So it's going to be between Carry On and and Jordan Howard. But I would like to bring in another running back to compete with those guys for that role of that bruiser back. You know I think Boston Scott can be a short yarders back as well. But uh, you're looking for a guy who can you know, bounce off hits 
and be that bulldozing type guy. And right now you have Carry on Johnson, Jordan Howard for that role. I'd like to see a little bit more competition there. I don't think those guys have that role cemented whatsoever. I think a lot of people are going for the name value of Carry on Johnson right now and what he did his rookie year, but he has never been the same player since. We'll see. I, I'm still looking at the waiver wire. I'm still w- watching, you know, when the preseason cuts happen because I don't know if they still had that guy for that role yet. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what Carry on Johnson brings is he's a very good pass blocker. You know, he's very good at protecting the quarterback, and that's going to be valuable. He also is very good at catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he has piled up a lot of receptions in a short amount of time, something Jordan Howard cannot do. I mean, Howard does not come out of the backfield and catch passes, whether he can catch or not. I think he can catch. He just was never utilized in that role. I mean, he did have one touchdown catch uh, when he was with Philadelphia the first time around. Um, but you know, Kerryon Johnson's got a better skill set than Jordan Howard right now mm-hmm. in terms of blocking and catching. Um, you're right. They need that short yardage back. And I think that they're going to probably have Johnson do that. I mean, he's a 5'11", 215, 20-pound guy that um, can be counted on to run the ball in between the tackles. Um, so, you know, I don't know what he has left. I would think he's 23 years old or thereabouts, which is younger than Howard at 26. But I think you're right about Howard. That window could be closed, you know, that they talked about coming out of Indiana, that it was a four-year window, probably closed. So I think Kerryon Johnson is going to be on this team. I mean, you're right about scanning the running back wire. The Eagles will certainly do that. Howie will certainly do that. Uh, and if there's somebody better that comes along, you know, whether it's late in the summer or, or even earlier, uh, they'll probably bring him in. I mean, they've got eight guys in that running back room already. Um, you know, you mentioned they'll keep four, and you know, obviously Miles Sanders is the top of you know, top dog there, and then Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell's the draft pick. Kenny Gainwell's running back too this year. Yeah, they're not going to cut him, and then I think Carryon Johnson's going to be that fourth guy. You know, the others are Elijah Holyfield, Adrian Killens, um, the guy they got from the Lions last year, who was a fifth round Jason pick. Jason Huntley. Yeah, Huntley. Yeah, he's 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 the other guy. So I mean, I, you know, to me, it's it's Howard's going to be the odd man out. Um, I don't think you'd risk, and this is really early to be talking about it, but I don't think you would risk putting Gainwell uh, on the practice squad no, for losing no, him. No, 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 no. Um, no, so yeah, he he's going to be one of those four guys if they keep four guys that is going to make this team. So it's going to come down to carry on and Howard. And right now I think carry on is just a better player. He's younger. He does more things. Uh, and he'll be the guy unless they find somebody more attractive on the wire. Yeah. Kenny Gainwell is going to have close to, if not, and this is a little crazy. He's going to have the second most impact of the Eagles rookies on the team. By easily. I think easily. I think easily. That role, Naeem, Naeem Hines' role, is theirs, his for the taking. Best receiving back in this draft. The fact that they got him in the fifth round is insane. You know, they finally got it right with drafting a running back in day three because they've always got it wrong before. But this <laughs> time they finally got it right. Kenny Gamewell, my friend, is going to have a huge role with the Philadelphia Eagles going forward. He's going to be a huge, vital, vital, vital part to this passing offense. But Love it, man. Love Jalen it. Hurts is going to be. They're going to do a lot of quick stuff with Jalen Hurts, a lot of dump offs, and Kenny Gainwell is going to be the perfect pack for that. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's like Kenny Gainwell is going to take away from Miles Sanders. He will in the receiving department. Yeah, I I know Miles Sanders. His first year was the Eagles' best vertical threat. Then he took a fall, 
really fall from grace yeah. as a receiver his sophomore season. Now he just lost it completely because that's going to be everything that Kenny Gainwell, receiving-wise for a running back, that's going to be all Kenny Gainwell. Huge contributor for the team this year. Uh, the, his usage is going to be close to running back, too. You know, he, he's not going to be getting a lot of carries, per se, which he will. You know, he will get carries, but uh, his usage and his snap count is going to be close to running back, too, for this team because he's going to be such a huge receiving threat for this team. I love that pick. You know, everybody was looking like, oh, we need that compliment for Miles Sanders. He needs to be a bruiser type guy. He needs to be a big back. No, 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 no. He needs to be a Kenny Gainwell. That's what he needs to be. That's what the Eagles got a home run with that pick. I love it. He's going to have the second. I love that analysis. I hope you're right. And and obviously, you haven't been the second, you know, the rookie with the second most impact. I'm assuming your first is going to be Patrick Johnson, right? <laughs> no, I know. I know who you mean. Devontae Smith, of course. You know, I was almost going to say that it was going to be the first because I think it's going to be, you know, Devontae is ah, going to have okay. Devontae's going to have a tough transition. And, you know, when hmm. the defenses are going to game plan for him, I know they got Rager. I know they got Fogum. I know they got Goddard. But nobody has the reputation of in that receiving room of Devontae Smith. He's already going to be the number one target of defenses going into uh, every matchup. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I don't believe, I think that's going to be the truth. Yeah. Uh, but he's a great route runner. So you hope that, you know, whatever coverages he's seeing, he's able to run the precise route and get open. Oh, I'm not worried about him. Yeah. I mean, and if he, standpoint, I'm worried about him from a production standpoint because people around him are going to have to step up for him to produce. Jalen Rager. This could yeah. be a Jalen Rager's season. If that, is what happens with Smith if teams Rager, really Fulham, up Goddard, in, all the Rager. pass catchers need to step up every yeah. single one because teams are already going to know this is their top ten pick. That's a guy that won the Heisman last year. He had 145 targets in the SEC last year. Yep. We need to focus on him. Yep. Let's make Jalen Rager beat us because we saw he struggle last year. But you know, I think Rager beat us. He got benched for Alshon Jeffrey. Let's let Dallas Goddard, who's taking his first year as tight end one. Let's let him beat us. That's fine. Ooh, let's, let's try to eliminate one. Okay. Let's try to eliminate the Heisman. We'll get into that in a second. But that's the only reason why I could say Kenny Gainwell, yeah, would perhaps be, you know, the most contributor of the Eagles rookie class. But if not, second for sure, because mm-hmm. he's gonna get a ton of usage. But let's move on to tight end because you know everybody's wondering like what's going on with Zach Ertz. Like this is the perfect way to end the show. Perfect way to end the show. Let's discuss this topic yeah. right now. So. I have a story coming out with Sports Illustrated today about Dallas Goddard. You know, everybody's talking about ever since the pro football focus put him as a top five tight end in their rankings. They put him above Mark Andrews. Insane. Insane rankings. But Dallas Goddard did find himself at number five. I believe he can fill those expectations if the quarterback play does match what it needs to be for Dallas Goddard to do so. And I, I think it could because... As I talk about in the piece, Dallas Goddard was Jalen Hurts' second option last year in those four starts. He had the second most of his target shares. Jalen Rager was first, so keep an eye on the Jalen Rager bounce back years that's calling right now. Yeah, but Goddard was second, so the chemistry's already there. They've already been practicing in the offseason together off the field. There's going to be something there with Goddard this season, and from what I'm told, he's the number one tight end on the Eagles roster right now. Zach Ertz, if he does remain on the Eagles roster, will be Dallas Goddard's backup and play less than Dallas Goddard. Da- yeah. there's, no more, there's no more Dallas Goddard not seeing the field for Zach Ertz. It will be vice versa for now on. Dallas Goddard is the Eagles' number one tight end. So there's going to be 
I think we need to start putting some expectations on Dallas Goddard. What can Dallas Goddard be now, Ed? Because there's no more limitations, no more restraints. He's not sharing the field with Ertz. He's not in Ertz's shadow anymore. This is his role for the taking to be tight end one of this team. And he's on his last year of his deal, as you pointed to me off air. Yeah. So big year for him, no doubt. Top five production though? Uh well, I mean, we'll see about that. It's interesting. You're you're right when you think about okay, Zach Ertz is still on this roster. The expectation is that, you know, June 1st is coming. The Eagles would cut him. But, um, you know, Howie has really talked a lot about Ertz. So I wonder if they're going to just kind of stick with him through the summer, see if something emerges. And if it doesn't, and he's still here September 12th when the Eagles fly to Atlanta to open up the season, I'll be really surprised. But if he is still on the roster, I guess Goddard would still be the number one, right? I mean, he's the guy that they drafted – He's in his prime. It's his last year of his contract. They want to probably see if he's worth re-signing to a second contract. So, yeah, I think you're right. He's going to be tight end one, whether Zach Ertz is on this roster or not. Um, and, and he'll be, you know, one of the top three options on every play that Hertz drops back to pass, I would I would guess. I mean, they really oh. do. Yeah. I the mean, tight end role in – what I'm I, I'm assuming Nick Sirianni is going to try to manipulate as much as what Indianapolis what he did in Indianapolis, and if that is the case, over the last three seasons, tight ends have seen over almost 400 targets. Yeah, that's so. I mean, Dallas Goddard's going to have his day yeah. in Nick Sirianni's offense. This offense is going to be tailored to him, and you know he is a dual threat tight end. So now you're you're seeing PFF so high on him because his you know he did, he's always had his snap count reduced because of Zach Ertz. Well, now those restraints are gone because the source fully indicates there's no way Zach Ertz sees the field over Dallas Goddard at all this season. Mm, interesting. And that's to me is what was always what was holding Dallas Goddard back was you know he always had to come off the field for Zach Ertz no matter what unless it was twelve personnel. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen this time. Even when they play eleven personnel, Dallas Goddard's going to be on the field of tight end one. But from what the source is telling me. Yeah. Well, I would have liked, you know, when we had Steichen on uh, earlier in the week, um, you know, I had a couple of questions jotted down. You really get only one question and you hope you get one question. But, you know, I had the offensive line and I had the tight end position and I wanted to ask him about either one. And I went with the offensive line just because Lane Johnson had spoken earlier in the day and that was kind of the story I was going to write. So I asked him about the O-line and he gave a great answer about the O-line, about how it's a freaking awesome O-line, they were his words. Um, but So I didn't ask about the tight end, but I was really, really curious about the tight end position and what that's going to look like with Goddard, with maybe Zach Ertz still on the team or whoever else after Goddard. You know, they brought in the undrafted kid, Jack Stoll from Nebraska. You know, you have Tyree Jackson, the former quarterback at Buffalo, trying to transition. You have Akeem Butler who's still trying to transition from receiver to tight end. You have Jason Kroon, the, uh, you know, the one catch, one touchdown tight end from last year. Um, so, you know, that tight end situation after Dallas is really up in the air. Um, and I wanted to ask Steichen about it, but, you know, I went the O-line question instead. Um, but, you know, it's going to – you're right. He's number one, and who's going to be number two? Because I wanted to get his take on 12 personnel. I mean, this is obviously a team that's played a lot of 12 – personnel under the previous regime uh, and they had the personnel to do it with Zach and, and Dallas and you know they probably aren't going to have 
two prolific tight ends like that on the roster this year. Even if Ertz is on the roster, you know, they probably won't use him in the same role that they used him in the past, new coaching staff and such. But I would like to have heard his take on the 12 personnel and how much that's going to be utilized. I think it will still be, I don't want to say heavily, but I think it will still be a staple of the the system because it wasn't, I mean, I don't know. That's just me basing off of Indianapolis. It's not like that wasn't in Los Angeles. The Chargers weren't like that. It was a Hunter Henry show. or right. It was mostly 11 personnel. So we'll yep. see. We'll see how much of a stable it is. But I, I, I just know going forward, it is Dallas Gardshaw for the taking. I do have a story coming out for Sports Illustrated you can check out. And Ed, as he just mentioned as well, been killing it with the press conference coverage and player coverage of what everything the players have been saying. SI.com slash NFL slash Eagles for all up to date articles on the Eagles coverage right now. Go check it out. John McMullen, Ed, myself, we're keep you up to date as well as we can. And again, Thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Unfiltered. Again, you can find the show on every single podcast platform by searching Eagles Unfiltered. We're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We did a whole rebranding of Eagles Brawl to Eagles Unfiltered. If you guys haven't already noticed by now, which it seems like you have since our views have been going up like crazy. I love it. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate it. Great, great. The rebrand has been awesome. It's all thanks to you guys who are listening. Uh, the support for Giovanni, Philly Sports with Giovanni during the rebrand has been awesome. I mean, he just had Chris Long on, Devontae Smith earlier, you know, Jalen Hurts as well. His He's killing it with his podcast and uh, the Kelly Green show as well. Who was yeah. us this rebrand. She's always a great interview with her. She's bringing on insane guests, Football Kelly again with the Kelly Green show. It will be on Eagles Unfiltered. Everything is a part of Eagles Unfiltered. We're all part of Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Find us si.com slash NFL slash Eagles. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank you. Your cousin from Boston. New Sam Adams Wicked Easy is light and wicked easy to drink. Which means it's wicked easy to call up some buddies for a little day sesh. So, wicked sorry I'm late. Sam Adams Wicked Easy. Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.